Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network, coming to you from the TeacherCast studios since 2011. Join us each week as we bring you the latest educational news, ed tech updates, and hottest interviews with today's most influential leaders in education. And now, for your host, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is TeacherCast podcast episode number 233. And today we're going to be talking about that certain subject that, you know, it's kind of been on the minds of a lot of teachers recently. Should I do something with my career? About two years ago, I had the same question. I talked to my wife, sat down with people at school and said, should I do something with my career? And the answer at that point was yes. And I made the decision to go back to graduate school, earn a certificate of advanced standing. And it was one of the best decisions I made, getting a chance to meet new people, experience something, put myself in the position of the students that I'm teaching put myself in the position of the teachers I am coaching. And I think it's not only made me a better educator post-pandemic, but opened my eyes to so many things. Today, we have an amazing guest representing an amazing university in, in Pennsylvania, talking all about not just their graduate program, but really we're going to be discussing different opportunities for educators that are available, whether it be online or virtual, hybrid, or even physical, and you don't want to miss this. If you're looking at your career right now and saying, is there something out there that's different? Is there something new for me in my future? This is a great episode. And of course, if you know other people who are asking those same questions, please feel free to share this. I want to say thank you guys for not only joining us today, but being consistent in making home, making TeacherCast your home for professional development. We got some great things going on over on askthetechcoach.com with our instructional coaches network. We also have our brand new and newly revamped newsletter we call Digital Learning Today. Don't forget to head on over to teachercast.net, check it out, subscribe, and of course, hit that like button and leave us a comment on our podcasters. We would love to have you guys and thank you for being a part of this. We look forward to all the great stuff coming out in 2023. My guest today is the director of virtual online teaching certificate program, also known as Volt, and also the experiences in applied computational thinking certificate program, also known as Exact, at the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education where she develops and conducts technology workshops for various target groups, such as students and teachers. And I am so thrilled to have her on today. I want to welcome Miss Betty Chandy. Betty, how are you today? Welcome to TeacherCast. Thank you for having me here, Jeff. Uh, doing great. Another awesome week we had. Thank you. It has been a great week. Of course, you know, for many teachers out there, we're, you know, going into that second marking period. The holiday season is in front of us. How are things with you and uh, what is going on these days at the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education? So for us, it is, again, close to the end of the semester. Um, we have all our finals lined up and the exciting uh, grading that comes right after the finals. And so we too are looking forward to winding up the semester and looking forward to the holidays at this point. Now, I am excited to talk to you today because I, like many teachers, 
have been recently in grad school. In fact, as we're recording this, I'm looking across at my my, my wall now where I have my 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 recently uh, what would you call it framed graduation certificate hanging on the wall very proudly there. Um, you know, many teachers right now are trying to figure out what their futures are, right? Do I want to stay where I am? Do I want to go? Do I want to go back to school? Do I want to change careers? Do I want to do something different? What's your thoughts on all of this stuff when it comes to education? Should teachers be thinking about going back to school to improve themselves, to get a better career, to change directions in their lives? Absolutely. Congratulations on that new addition to your wall. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So, absolutely. So, uh, like everything else around us, teaching professions also changing rapidly, uh, among other things, the kind of technologies that are in classrooms and the kind of technologies that our students are growing up with, as well as participating in, are uh, changing. So, we have, say, uh, the sixth grade teacher has a bunch of 11 and 12 year olds. Uh, five years later, you still have the 11 and 12 year olds, but we are five years older. So what this means is that the lived experiences, the digital literacy practices and the, uh, the communities in which these children, our students engage in, are constantly changing. And we as educators would need to keep up with the ways in which young people participate in digital spaces and exist in these, in their, you know, digital cultures. And this is important because that's how they make meaning of the world. And then that's how they understand the world. And if we want to be part of that world, we would need to also see what kind of tools and technologies and digital literacy practices exist. So does this mean that we have to keep going back to school for a graduate degree every two, three years? Probably not. Uh, Schools like the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education are very mindful of the fact that there's amazing research being done around literacy practices about um, science pedagogical practices and learning analytics, but they don't always make it to the world, uh, the worlds of teachers. And that's why we have programs at uh, Catalyst, our Center for Innovation, that focuses on bringing this awesome research into uh, ways that teachers can consume. So these might be workshops, they can be certificate programs, they can be webinars and seminars and all these different channels through which schools of education try to continue uh, working with teachers and for teachers. And so it's really important to be part of some kind of professional network or be plugged into the conversations that are happening among researchers so that teachers can continue to serve the needs of their students. So absolutely, uh, even if you're not thinking in terms of a career change, I do think like all professions these days, reskilling and upskilling is just part of the game. And so there are many ways in which teachers can continue to uh, learn and grow professionally. In thinking about the last year and a half here, right? It, it took me 14 months or so to finish off my advanced certificate in, in educational leadership. And I got to say, and I kind of miss going back to school. I know that sounds weird, but 
being in a class helped me become a better teacher. Now, this was my third advanced degree, but even now post-pandemic, this was the first time I had really gone to school as a hybrid student myself. Some of the stuff was was virtual. Some of the stuff I had to drive to school, but it really had me give, you know, giving me the opportunity through most of the pandemic I was going through this to put myself in that position of my students. And how do I like learning that way? That helped me work with my teachers as a coach and help me work with the students as a co-teacher in their classrooms. When we're looking at other schools out there, specifically University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education, what does higher education look like these days? Is it mostly virtual? Is it mostly physical? Um, does, does University of Pennsylvania have programs where people can go to it from across the country? What do these different programs look like? Absolutely. So at the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education, pre-pandemic, we had fewer hybrid programs. Uh, we had fewer fully online programs. And there was some uh, healthy skepticism about whether or not it was possible to have the same rigor and uh, the same quality of education online. And what the pandemic did was sort of supercharge that transition. And since everybody went online and over the two years, understanding that there is a kind of online uh, or there are kinds of ways like hybrid and blended where you can support students in different ways. Not all students can afford to like take two years off and come back to graduate school. Not all students can afford to spend all four years in undergrad. So universities like ours, and for that matter, universities across the country are absolutely seeing the need uh, and the value of hybrid education. And so there's all kinds of programs. So here at GSC, at Penn GSC, we are working on our two, two master, fully online master's programs that uh, didn't exist before. And so being able to meet the needs of students, you know, that's important for all universities. And so we're seeing more hybrid and blended programs and fully online programs, uh, high quality. I'm not talking about, you know, the MOOC kind of programs with all pre-recorded lectures. These are the online programs that we're designing is really about that human connection. So it's going to be live and synchronous. You will have real classmates, even though they're <laughs> going to be tiles on your, on your screen that it's you're still talking to people rather than just, you know, type up a response on a discussion board or seeing a name that you don't have a face to. Uh, in addition to that, the other change we are seeing is uh, these idea, this idea of um, stackable uh, certificates that, again, it's not always easy to take a year off or two years and go, but there are th these different modules or um, certificates that you can collect as you go based on your need as a teacher or as an educator, whatever you're looking for. And all of that effort could add up to something at the end. So the sort of desegregated uh, degrees, stackable degrees, these are becoming more popular. And then the other thing also is uh, since the pandemic, more instructors and faculty members have had to look at the sort of analytics of how students engage in their classes. So prior to the pandemic, I don't believe even the LMSs, the learning management systems were even utilized 
all that much in many a classroom. However, with the pandemic and with the move on online, uh, everyone was forced to make sure that their LMS is user-friendly and then you want to find out what are students doing in these courses? Are they watching the videos? Which videos are they watching? Which are they, what are they skipping? Oh, so these learner, learning analytics are becoming more popular and faculty members are more and more interested in how students are consuming the content, how are they engaging, and what are ways in which we can serve them better. So these are some of the big things that I've noticed uh, in Penn and other institutions. Well, let's take a look at this here because I'm excited that you are announcing here the Virtual Online Teaching Certificate, otherwise known as VAULT. What is it and how does it work? So the VAULT program is designed for teachers who are presently teaching in classrooms and who are thinking about some of these big ideas that I spoke about earlier, like what are uh, students doing and how do we leverage technology to engage students in ways that are meaningful to them. So the, this is a certificate program. It has six modules. Uh, we are very mindful that uh, teachers are busy people and may not always have the time. So we have designed the program to uh, be, you can take the modules in whatever order you want. You can either finish the entire program in two semesters, or you can take four semesters to finish the six modules. Uh, they draw from three major strands. The first one is an introduction to online teaching and learning, assuming that you have no uh, physical classroom and you don't meet students regularly, then that strand around online teaching and learning talks about best practices in um, fully online class classrooms. A second strand deals with digital literacies. And this goes to thinking about how are students um, engaging in uh, digital spaces or what are their literacy practices. Um, you know, a lot of teachers are not surprised that students have trouble finding a file in a folder on the desktop and attaching it to an email, but they can do magic with their phones in all sorts of ways. So when it comes to what does that mean for teachers and what does that mean for how students um, communicate with each other, how do they engage in collaborative meaning making, and what are what, do, what implications do these have for teachers and for designing uh, for learning. And then our third strand is around designing for learning. When you, you know, when you think about technology, you just think of it as one big, you know, category of things. But really, uh, technologies serve different purposes. So for example, there are technologies like simulations or visualizations. Those are technologies to learn with. And these help students learn new things and understand uh, concepts or science or you know, universe or whatever. And then also under this category is like um, concept mapping, for example. These are cognitive tools that help students understand and learn things. Then there's a second category of technologies which are for collaboration, for students to work with each other. And so we know that collaborative learning is a powerful way of learning. Uh, vibrant discussion boards are the best ways to clarify doubts. You don't always need to go to help sessions. Sometimes engaging students to have conversations and discussion boards are a really rich 
ways of uh, getting students to learn new things. And then you have, so that's a second category. A third category of technologies would be supporting any time, any place learning. Uh, you know, when, when the pandemic hit and we suddenly had to quickly move online, uh, my daughters, my older one was in 10th grade and my second one was in 9th grade. Uh, their school district decided to quickly, uh, the quick pivot was they would post, and this was early 2020, you know, it was the uh, tail end of the school year. They would post material at 10 a.m., uh, no, 8 a.m. 8 a.m. there'd be things online. And so the, it, the work had to be finished by midnight. If you finished all the work, you would get the credit for it and you'd get attendance for it. My older daughter would wake up at seven. She would be in front of her computer by eight. By 10 o'clock, she would finish all her homework and then she'd be lazy all day. She'd be watching TV <laughs> or just hanging out. My second one would sleep till noon and be lazy all day till 9 p.m. And it was 9 p.m. that all the energy came in. And then she would finish all her work by 12. And every time I, I would panic because it's 9 p.m. and here she still not started her work, but she always finished her work. And she kept telling me that she gets more work done in an hour in the night than three hours in the morning, even though that's hard for me to you know, wrap my head around. But that's, that's just the way the child is. And so students have different preferences. And we know from research that 7.30 in the morning is probably not the best time for high schools to start, but that is the time that high schools start mm -hmm. across the country. So how do we allow use technology to allow for the anytime, anyplace learning so that students who are not at their best at 7.30 in the morning still get to learn and get to uh, participate in that class, in, in that learning environment. And then there's the category of technologies that include gaming and um, learning by games that are designed for learning like math games or even participation in virtual worlds that is again, very rich when it comes to giving students the opportunity to have different viewpoints and things like that. So in design of learning environments, we really think about using technology to support different kinds of learning and supporting uh, different kinds of learners. And so the Vault program, the three strands, such as introduction to online learning, the digital literacy piece, and the design of learning environments, all of these are designed to help teachers understand how young people learn and how can we leverage the tools that we have to create an environment that can be engaging, uh, fun, and yet serve the needs of the students. I'm so glad that you mentioned that about your daughters, because going through my program, you know, again, it was like a year and a half. Some of the time I was in the summer and I had all day to get my work done. And yeah, I remember being that nine o'clock and after person. But for most of it, I was that full time teacher with a full time family. And, you know, my listeners know I've got there were seven and eight year old triplets at the time. They're nine now. But one of the questions that I keep getting asked is how do you do it how do you find that work-life balance what it what advice do you have to any teacher out there who's looking at this program um and by the way all of the links are going to be on our website you can certainly check it out over here at teacher cast podcast episode number uh, oh my goodness episode number 233 we're going to make sure we have everything but what advice do you have for that person that's got that work-life balance maybe they're sitting here going i'm interested i want it but you know what i got kids in a full-time job and 
how do you talk to that teacher that's on the fence? Right. So my biggest advice is that you need to find a program that is flexible. Uh, you need to find a program that sort of meets your needs. Uh, we know from research on professional development programs that active learning um, and extended duration are two key factors that make a difference in the practice of teachers. So there are, you know, a lot of teachers do a lot of PD, but not all PD has the impact on their practice. And when you try, when you look at the programs that do have a, pro, a pra, uh, impact on their practice, you notice that those are the programs that there was an extended engagement with and there was active learning and it was directly re relevant to their practice as a teacher. So you want to find a program that helps you be that better teacher. So we, we're all trying to be better at our jobs. We're all trying to improve and learn. And if the connections, it's really important to find a program that meets your needs because then you are a teacher by day and a teacher by night too, not a teacher by day and student by night. Mm -hmm. It's not that, that two different lives. And the other thing is also you want to find a program that allows you to network or work with other yeah. teachers. So as you said, you it, it was really nice to be in, in, a, in a place with other educators. So you want to have that network because people learn more from other people uh, than what's, you know, what the lecture is about or what the instructor. So finding a program that doesn't feel like an add-on, but feels like part of what you're already doing in class and finding a program with real teachers who are in the same boat as you trying, you know, facing the same struggles, be it technology integration or uh, student learning or uh, mental health, student mental health is sort of the same issues and finding a program that's flexible because life happens. So, you know, sometimes uh, people fall sick, sometimes family members fall sick and having, you know, a full-time job and a full-time family and then to be in school on top of it is difficult. So finding programs that are flexible, finding programs that allow you to, you know, take class over extended periods of time, but having a program that's not canned, that's not like a bunch of online videos with, uh, but having that synchronous component to it where you're engaging with real people. So all of this would go to helping you uh, not feel burdened and overwhelmed by the amount of work, but being just sort of feeling it as part of just learning and growing, which we all do every day. You know, you've mentioned this a couple times in this conversation about building that PLN. And it's easy for teachers, especially, you know, maybe people who are listening to this show to say, oh, I've got Facebook, I've got Twitter, I've got, you know, whatever. That's my PLN. But going back to what I just went through for the last 15 months, I've walked out of that program, not just with a piece of paper for the wall, but I now have a really nice network of teachers who are local to me. And not just, hey, I know this Twitter background and people are in Kansas and California and Florida and whatnot. But now I have people who I know from school districts local to me. And if I need them, they're there. Or if I need them to look for something or recommend me for something or any of those types of things, right? Like we're all out there doing conferences and things. But to have now a local PLN, for me, that was one of the most valuable things about the program. And if you're out there on the fence trying to figure out, is this something for me? Is this not for me? 
Betty, where can somebody go to learn more or even just to ask questions about a program such as Vault? That's that's a great segue. You know, we the Vault program again. Our next cohort starts in January, and we are accepting applications right now through the month of December. So, those who are interested, if you know this is for you, you can go ahead and just uh, Google Pen GSE Vault. You will find everything you need right there. But we've noticed that teacher when there are multiple teachers from within a building or within a district, it makes change so much easier, uh, both for the teachers who are involved as well as uh, for the program itself. So we take, if we do two kinds of programs, we have the general program that anybody can sign up for, but we also work with districts. We, we uh, in the bold district partnerships, we, start with extensive conversations both with the administration as well as the teachers about pain points. What is what is it that they're looking for? What are their big goals? What are they, what does the five-year plan look like when it comes to technology and integration? And then you know what the affordances and constraints are within the district. And then we tailor the program to meet uh, that district's needs. We, we do that if, if any district is willing to partner with us. But in addition to that, we also have the regular Volt program where you know we have up to 20 teachers. We have small class sizes. 20 is our max. We cap it at 20. And then we try to group teachers according to subject level uh, and or the kind of districts that they are in so that the, um, the challenges and uh, the affordances are pretty much similar. So that's we have both kinds of programs here at the Volt. Certainly it's something to look into. Again, we're going to have all the links on our show notes over here at TeacherCast Podcast, episode 233. Betty, before I let you go, let me just fire a couple of questions that I know are on the, on the, uh, the minds of teachers who are interested in this. Um, class size. I know that's important. I know for myself, I looked around. I was one of... 20 kids, no kids, my goodness, adults in the classroom. What, what's a, what's an average class size going to be for this type of a program? Uh, in our program, it's 15 to 20. We cap it at 20. We generally try to, we try to stick to 15 if we can, but sometimes when we have districts sending multiple participants and we have to accommodate them, 20 is the maximum class size. And can you talk a little bit about the financials, uh, financial aid being available? I mean, how, how, how does a teacher go about and uh, make sure that they can financially afford this? Sure. So we have six modules and each module costs around 1000 and a little over $1,000. Uh, as I said, we had a flexible program. We've had teachers who've uh, planned out their entire course of study based on the reimbursement from the district. We're also a graduate program, so there are many districts that reimburse uh, teachers for their uh, participation in programs such as ours. So they actually plan out their course of study. Okay, I, this is how much I can get before June. And then after June, I'll take these classes. So uh, that's one way we work with them. For teachers who have absolutely no support from their respective districts, there we do offer a few uh, merit-based scholarship uh, opportunities. And then for districts that do send multiple participants, we have a reduced uh, negotiated rate. So there are different ways that we work with uh, schools and districts and uh, individuals for, um, for for in the program. So feel free to email me to find out more uh, and, and I, if I have a little more context as to who the participants are and what they're looking for, I'd be able to support them better. 
We started off the conversation today talking about the last five years, and it's easy for teachers, and you see this as a cliche in all these different conferences. Here are the jobs that are available now. Here's the jobs that we didn't know existed. Here's the where your students are. We know that chart. With that in mind, what will grad school look like in the next couple of years? Now that we've all got this post-pandemic thing behind us, now that we're all you know veterans of online learning, where do you see the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education over the next couple of years as they move through and past this post-pandemic era? Uh, that's a great question. So the po- immediately following the pandemic, <clears throat> I think a lot of the things that we did as far as online learning goes was trying to keep the ship floating, like just trying to continue education. But lessons were learned. And now in this year and next year, we are trying to weave in the kind of things that we learned that it is possible to allow students to stay in their uh, living room and still participate the way that we want them to. It is possible to have rich, robust conversations on online discussion boards. So be Prior to the pandemic, as I mentioned earlier, we didn't have any online or hybrid programs. One thing I do see happening over the next couple of years is flexibility on student schedule, flexibility in uh, modality, uh, and definitely more hybrid and online programs, both at Penn and at university, other universities. That's definitely one big change. And then the other thing, as I mentioned earlier, is um, giving the opportunity to take courses or certificates, uh, which will eventually lead to a degree so that you're not spending an extended period of your life uh, on a university campus, that this can be done slowly and over time, especially given the economic challenges that a lot of families are facing might not always be uh, practical to stay in school for extended periods of time. So I see Penn uh, being more affordable that way and being more uh, disaggregated um, degree programs as well as hybrid and uh, online degree programs is what I hope to see uh, over the next several years. Betty, I want to say thank you so much for coming on, sharing with us, not about the Vault program or just about the Vault program, but really everything that's going on these days. I've I've had so much fun being back in school, going through it. Yes, it was a challenge. Yes, it was hard. But I'm going to tell everybody out there listening, if you can do this with a full-time, I'll put it this way, if I can do this with a full-time job and the triplets and everything else, you guys can do this as well. I highly recommend sitting down, having that conversation with yourself, having that conversation with your family going, here's where I am. Here are my goals. This is where I want to go and finding that right program for being there. Betty, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. And I hope you guys have a chance to check out everything. Again, all the links to this is going to be over on our website, TeacherCast Podcast, episode number 233. Links to the program, links to the registration, and also how you can get a hold of Betty and ask more questions about this. It is an amazing program, and I hope you guys have a chance to check it out and take advantage of it. And that wraps up this episode of the TeacherCast Podcast. Don't forget, if you're an instructional coach, there's a lot of great things happening over at AskTheTechCoach.com. We also have our Instructional Coaches Network, and every single month we're doing some great live stuff head on over to the our instructional coaches network today 
and check it out and be a part of our teacher cast instructional tech coaches network. And that wraps up episode number 233 on behalf of Betty and everybody here in the teacher cast educational network. My name is Jeff Bradbury reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to the TeacherCast Educational Network, hosted by Jeff Bradbury. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at TeacherCast or online at www.teachercast.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App 